from him through me to you. From him through me and to you. Well, good morning, Community Church. My name is Holly Knutson, and I have the privilege of continuing uh, week four in our five-part series called Send Me. And that three-part phrase right there, from him, through me, and to you, it could summarize my entire message this morning. But before we dive into that, I just want to share a story of sympathy with some of you, um, because I know that for some of you here um, with us this morning, or at Alma, or at Mount Pleasant, uh, um, St. John's, we're in Mount Pleasant, I'm with us today, <laughs> um, that it might be your very first time here today, or this whole church thing, this whole Jesus thing is pretty new. Like the things that you're seeing, the words that you're saying, the traditions that we have. And I remember when it was my very first time at a church. Uh, growing up, I had a f best friend, my, her name was Stephanie, and I spent a lot of time at her house, and we had a lot of sleepovers. And sleepovers on Saturday night meant that you better believe I was going to church with her family on Sunday morning. And Stephanie's family was Catholic, and so my very first experience at a church was at a Catholic mass. And I did not know what I was doing. I did not know what I was in store for. Um, and what was so normal to Stephanie was completely foreign to me. So she didn't think to give me like any tips or suggestions on how that whole morning was gonna go. And so my first time walking into those big, beautiful church doors, uh, I walk in behind Stephanie and I saw that there was this bowl of water to my left. But I did not see what Stephanie did with that bowl of water. But I did see Stephanie kind of turn around and look at me and look at the bowl insinuating that I should do something with that bowl. And so naturally, I put both my hands in the bowl and started cleaning my hands because I figured they had to be clean before I entered into the most holy of holies. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just thought I had to clean my hands. She's like, no, you dip your fingers, do this. I was like, oh my gosh, I was mortified and I started wiping my, my grubby hands of the holy water. And so I'm already embarrassed. I'm already out of my element. But we walk in and we enter into the sanctuary and it is just row upon row of pews. And it is silent. And everyone is dressed in their Sunday best. And I am in awe of this building because there are stained glass windows across the whole church of images depicted on those stained glass windows. And so my eyes are up and I'm looking around, but in my peripheral, I can see that my friend Stephanie, she just trips and falls. And so with a knee-jerk reaction, I dive to catch her and I grab her back and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, you fell. And she's like, no. I'm kneeling before I enter the pew. And she just starts losing it. She is laughing at me. I start laughing. And then you know when you're not supposed to laugh in a place, well, it felt like we weren't supposed to laugh in a place like that. We could not stop laughing. Two little girls just belly rolling in the pews. And so she's catching on to the fact that I have no idea what I'm doing. And so she starts to clue me in throughout the entire service. You know, when the priest says this, you stand up. And when the priest says this, you sit down. And when the priest says this, you repeat after him. And then at the end of the message, my whole family's going to go up and we're going to take communion and you can come with us. And I was like, what's communion? She's like, you know, where you take the bread and you eat it and then you drink the wine. And I'm like, why do you do that? She's like, just follow me and do what I do. You'll be okay. Just follow me and do what I do. 
So I'm freaking out, and she, with the little time that she has left, she begins to explain to me exactly what I'm supposed to do when I go up to get this communion. And she's like, when you go up to the bread, you're going to grab the bread, and you're going to stick it in your mouth, and then you're going to, wait, before you grab the bread, you're going to present it to the priest, then you're going to stick it in your mouth, and then he's going to pour the wine into your mouth. I'm like, what do you mean he's going to pour the wine into my mouth? And she's like, well, you see that cup up there? It's filled with wine. And you're going to walk up and he's going to tip it into your mouth. And then that white cloth, he's going to wipe it. And then the person after you, they're going to come up and do the same thing. And I'm like, I have to drink out of the same glass as everyone in this building? She's like, yes, it's just what you do. You've got this. Follow me. Just follow me. And so that's what I did. I followed Stephanie to the front of that church. And I watched what she did. And I did what she did. But it did not go for me as it went for Stephanie. (laughs) When I went to the front and grabbed that cracker and I presented it to the priest and stuck it in my mouth, in a panic, I forgot to chew. And so then he goes to pour the wine into my mouth, but my mouth is filled with unchewed cracker. And then when the wine hits my taste buds, mind you, it's the first time I'm having wine because in the Catholic Church, they serve wine. Sorry, community church, you get grape juice. And it became an explosion in my mouth. Bread crumbs shoot out of my mouth, up my nose, wines dribbling down my cheek. My eyes are watering. I think my face is beet red, not sure if it was from the flush of the wine or I'm pure embarrassed. And I look back and Stephanie is rolling. She is laughing so hard at me. And all I wanted to do was hide. I was so embarrassed that I didn't know what I was doing. And so I just beeline it back to my pew. But just for safe measures, before I enter my pew, I do a little kneel right before I walk in. (laughs) So I get what it's like to walk into a place, especially a church, where everything is so new. You know, the people and what you're seeing and what you're experiencing, maybe even what you're feeling. But even though that was new for me too all those years ago, I look back on that moment and I'm like, that was the first day of my journey with Jesus. Because my friend Stephanie introduced me to the church and she introduced me to Jesus. And after so many sleepovers at Stephanie's house, I was beginning to get a hang of this whole church thing. And I became intrigued and captivated by this man Jesus. And it made me wonder, too, like, why isn't my family going to church like Stephanie's family? And so I went home to my parents, and I asked them that, and my mom told me later on that it was because of my persistent asking that her and my dad decided that it was time that our family started to go to church, too. And so that's what we did. And we went to a Baptist church. (laughs) Quite opposite there. But here's the thing. I wonder if Jesus didn't mind very much what church I went to as long as I was growing closer to him. Because in my journey with Jesus, I have come to learn that all he wants most is that close and intimate and personal relationship with me. And not just me, he wanted it with my whole family too. And so while I was asking my parents, like, why aren't we going to church? At the very same time I was asking my parents that question, our neighbor A little lady who lived across the road from us, she had walked over to our family's home and invited our entire family to her church. And so that's where we started to go. 
And that invitation sealed the deal for me and my family and our journey with Jesus. And ever since then, my mom and my dad and my brother and his wife and kids and my family, my husband and my kids, we have all professed faith in Jesus Christ and we are growing in our relationship with him. And it all started through my best friend, Stephanie, who invited me to church all those years ago and said, just follow me and do what I do. Just follow me. Those words sound a little familiar, right? We can find in the Gospels Jesus saying those words over 22 times to his disciples and to those around him as he explained the kingdom of God. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And that, my friends, is discipleship. Jesus said, come, follow me, and basically do what I do, and I will make you fishers of men. And my friend Stephanie modeled Jesus' way to me by inviting me to follow her. And since then, I have had men and women and pastors and complete strangers invite me into their lives with that same invitation for them to disciple me. And because of their impact and their influence in my life and because of the way that they discipled me, I am now out there repeating that same pattern and continuing in the multiplication of Jesus because I'm out there discipling now too. And Jesus knew more than anyone else the power of those two little words, follow me. The power of personal relationship and connection the power to come inside someone else's life and to live life with them. I mean, if you think about it, God could have chosen any way he wanted to spread the name of Jesus across the globe for generations to come, right? It's God. He could have, he could have announced Jesus and his way in any way he wanted to. But yet his entire strategy to restore what was broken at the Garden of Eden his entire strategy to tell generations of who Jesus was, about the forgiveness of our sins through the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross, was solely through the relationships that Jesus would make while he was on this earth. That's it. The greatest message of hope and tr truth and eternal life and salvation was put into the hands of his friends. That's incredible. People like you and me who are human and like a stone being thrown into a pond through those relationships that Jesus made, he started the greatest exponential math problem to ever hit the globe. The spreading of his name and the gospel, the spreading of, of the number of people who would become followers and believers of Jesus Christ and it is still spreading today. And you are sitting here over 2,000 years after, the, after Jesus said those departing words to his disciples of go and make disciples of all nations because you have had a friend or a family member or a complete stranger invite you into his glorious name. And through that invitation, you have had to ask yourself, who is this man Jesus? And why do they call him the son of God? And is it true that he is the only way to the Father and to eternal life in heaven? And then you have to ask yourself the harder question. Do I believe that that is true? 
And what does it mean for my life if I do? And what does it mean for my life if I don't? These are big questions. These are hard questions. And as image bearers of God, people created in his likeness, I believe that every single human being at one point in their life, they will ask themselves this question. And there are so many of us walking around with these questions and so many don't know where to go to get those questions answered. And so they ignore them or they stuff them down or they're like, you know what, maybe for another day I'll explore that. Or maybe they know that they could come into this church or another church to get those questions answered, but they're not coming into this church, maybe for reasons that I explained before. Or maybe they have church hurt and they have vowed to themselves that I will never walk through the doors of a church again. Well, good thing that Jesus doesn't just live inside the church, amen? Amen. Friends, time is running out. And we are not guaranteed tomorrow. And our friends and our family and loved ones, they are not guaranteed tomorrow either. And so we have to take Jesus outside of these four walls. And we take Jesus outside of these walls through our relationships, through discipleship. Because if people won't come to church, well, then we're going to take church to the people. Because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you know in the Bible that these words are true when it says, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, those are hard words right there, no one comes to the Father except through me. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And this is eternal life, that they know you, God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Belief in Jesus Christ as one's Lord and Savior is the only way to the Father. And there is an urgency in my soul every day to make sure that my loved ones and my friends and my family and those who I encounter because of the influence that God has given me, that they would know the name of Jesus and that through the power of the Holy Spirit in me, that when they're with me, they would encounter their Savior because he is the only one who can save. I can't save people. You can't save people. But from him, through me and to you, that has the power to save. And check out this irony. Because Jesus is the only one who can save, because he is the only one who can save, it is the exact reason why he also chose to leave this earth. After the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross, He came to be with his disciples for 40 more days after that. And he had to begin to prepare his disciples for some more alarming news. He's like, listen, boys, the boys are back in town. And this has been great. I am alive. I've conquered death. I'm here with you. We're going to continue spreading the gospel. But here's the thing. I'm going to leave you again. In John 16, 7, he says to his disciples, I'm going to do what is best for you. This is why I'm going away. The Holy Spirit cannot come to you until I leave. 
but after I am gone, I will send the Spirit to you. I mean, think about this for a minute. Jesus said, I'm going to do what is best for you. I'm going to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. Jesus said, it was better for me to have the Holy Spirit than to have him here with me on this earth. Like, to me, that doesn't really seem true. Imagine to the disciples, that doesn't really seem true. But Jesus says it's true. Jesus says it's true, that the, it's better that the Holy Spirit is here with me. So then imagine what that must mean about the Holy Spirit. Imagine what that must mean about the power that is within me and that is in, within you. With Jesus here on this earth, there was one man who was fully God. But with the Holy Spirit... There are millions of us walking around this earth with Christ in us. The same saving power that rose Jesus from the grave is now encased inside of you and is encased inside of me, ready to be released into our relationships. That is multiplication. And some of you might be a little lost right now and you're like, wait a minute. So what you're saying is that if I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that that Jesus is my Lord and Savior who died on the cross for me, for my sins, that God himself, part of the Holy Trinity, three in one, that he will come and live inside of me? Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. That is exactly what God's word is saying. In Acts, it says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And if there's anything I want you to take from today's message, it's this. From him, through me, and to you. Can you guys say that with me together? From him, through me and to you. God gives us his Holy Spirit power. But like the great Spider-Man once said, with great power comes great responsibility. And the only way that we can partner with Jesus to do what only Jesus can do, and remember, only Jesus can save. So the only way that we can partner with Jesus to do what only Jesus can do is actually if we grow in our personal relationship with him. Isn't that incredible? That in order for power to be released out of us and into our relationships, we actually have to grow in this personal relationship. Because God is not some genie in a bottle that we rub that releases that Holy Spirit power. But that power flows from us and through us as we grow in this relationship and as the Holy Spirit transforms us into the likeness of his Son. 
And Jesus set up this people-saving strategy all those years ago because he knew there would be a generation that would not know his name. And they would not know him, but they would know you. And they would trust you. And maybe someday they would learn that when they were hanging out with you, they were actually hanging out with Jesus too. About a year ago, our entire staff team went through this discipleship boot camp that we are inviting every single one of you to attend, and it kicks off in just a little over a week. And at the conclusion of this boot camp training, we were asked as a team, what is your I will statement? Just like we have been asking you at the end of each sermon in this series, and basically your I will statement is, what will I do in response to everything I have learned about what it means to be a disciple maker? And at the conclusion of this training, I really felt that what God was saying to me was, Holly, I want you to open up your home, I want you to invite a few girls in, and I want you to disciple them. And immediately I was like, the excuses came to my mind. I, I just don't know if I can do this, God. I am so busy right now. Maybe I could do it next season. I don't even think I'd have an hour and a week to give. And then, and then if I did, I don't know who I would ask. And then I don't even know if they'd want to come. But God kept nudging. Holly, I want you to open up your home and invite a few girls in, and I want you to, to disciple them. And so I prayed, and I was like, God, all right, I do have this window in my week that I could give. But it's a weird time frame, and I don't even know if that would work for anyone else. And so I give that to you, God. And so would you bring me girls that actually that fits in their time frame too? And when I offered that up to the Lord, man, did he move. Within one week, I found myself out to coffee with a girl who I was connected with by a local businessman in town. And he had reached out to me and he said, I have an employee and she wants to grow in her faith, but she doesn't really know how to do that. And so I wondered if you could meet up with her. And so I went out to coffee with her and she shared her story. And at the end of the conversation, she said, I can see myself one day being closer in my relationship with God. I just have no idea how to get there. And I was like, you know, I'm actually starting a discipleship group with just a few small girls in my home. And I don't even know if this day and time works for you, but you're the first one I'm asking. Would you be interested in that? And you wouldn't believe what she said. I actually have that same day and time available in my schedule too. I'm, I'm all in. And so God gave me my first girl and I was pumped. You have no idea. I was so pumped. I was like, yes, God, do it again. I'm hearing you correctly. It was exactly what I needed to be motivated to be like, I'm in this. And so I kept praying and I was like, God, bring me more. And in the next two weeks, God gave me three more girls the first two, their names just kept coming up to me in my mind. I kept thinking about them. And so I just called them up. And I was like, hey, I don't know if you're interested in this, but I'm starting a discipleship group. And we're just going to be diving into God's word. We're going to let scripture speak to us and transform us. And this is the day and the time we're meeting. So is that something you'd be interested in? And both girls were like, that actually works perfect for my schedule. I'm in. And then the last girl, she actually came to me just a few days before our group started and she was um, one of those leaders, actually stronger in her faith, that were always leading others. And she came to me and she's like, I know this probably sounds bad, but I'm looking to get into a group where I don't have to be the one to, that leads it because I need to be fed right now. And I wondered if I could join your group. 
And I was like, well, it just starts in a few days. So I don't know if this day and time works for you, but this is when we're meeting, and we would love to have you if it does. And she said, I actually don't have class during that time, so that works perfect for me too. And so me and these girls, we met in my living room over the course of a year, and we opened up scripture, and we put ourselves into the story with Jesus, and we, we asked questions, and we wondered, and we, we wrestled, and I saw the word come alive inside of my living room. I saw scripture speak powerfully and uniquely to each girl because we were reading the same scripture, but what it was speaking to one girl was completely different than what it was speaking to the other girl. And there were a lot of tears, and there was a lot of questions, and there was a lot of wrestling with God, and there was a whole lot of laughter too. And I could see that these girls were growing in their friendship because they started hanging out together outside of our group time, and I could see that they were sharpening each other. And then they would come back, and we'd meet, and they'd share conversations and stories with me about how their closeness with Jesus was now infiltrating their circles of the world, they were sharing with me conversations that they were having with their loved ones or their roommates or their coworkers, And I could see, I could see how Jesus was moving through their lives. And every single week, I just wanted to take the popcorn out and listen and watch as I saw the power of the Holy Spirit just move through these girls. And in one year, I saw Jesus transform them. I saw him transform their hearts and their minds for him. Jesus changed them. I didn't change them. But it was my partnership. It was my partnership with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit within me that allowed me to open up my home, that drew the girls in. The Holy Spirit transformed all of us as we were reading his word and the word is coming alive. And just last month, I got this text from one of my girls in my discipleship group who has since moved away from the area and this is what the text said. I just got to pray with one of my high school girls to accept Jesus for the first time. And she asked me to disciple her. Like, what? And I said, you were made for this. That is discipleship. That is the multiplication that Jesus is talking about when he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And this multiplication of disciples happened within my little circle of the world simply because I came before the Lord and said, Lord, I'm ready with what I have from you, through me, to others. Now what will you do with that same Holy Spirit power that is within you? What will your I will statement be? And how will you go and make disciples of all nations with the influence in the circle of the world that you live in? And right now, maybe the steady stream of excuses is just bubbling to the surface, just like it did for me when I was presented with that same challenge. I don't know if I have time for this, God. I really don't. Maybe next time, if we do it again, I could jump on board. But I really don't have time. I could not disciple someone, let alone commit to doing this course every week for 10 weeks. And if that's you, the devil is winning. Corey Ten Boom said, if the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. Church, we cannot love people and we cannot carry out 
the Great Commission if we are too busy and too distracted and too beyond our limitations to live out the greatest commandment that Jesus gave us to go and make disciples. And so maybe your I will statement will be that you will begin to say no to some of these things that have made you so busy so that you can say yes to the greatest thing of all, the Great Commission, to go and make disciples. Or maybe your reasons for not attending the boot camp are because you already know how to disciple, and, and that might be true. But what if your involvement at boot camp is because you're supposed to be there to sharpen or to encourage somebody else? Or what if you're supposed to be at boot camp because God isn't going to impart something on you that radically changes your perspective on discipleship, which in part will radically implement every single person you encounter after that? Or maybe you're like, this sounds great. I'd love to do boot camp, but I have no idea who I would disciple after that. I was in the same boat. But trust that if God calls you to it, he will help you through it. You are in his will. Jesus said this before he left. You don't even have to discern if you're doing the right thing because he commanded it. And maybe you're like, I know who I'm supposed to disciple. And maybe you're like, I know who I'm supposed to disciple because I'm supposed to disciple my kids or my grandkids who live right inside my home. And if that's you, I actually agree with you. It is one of our greatest jobs as believers of Jesus Christ to disciple those little hearts inside of our home. And so we are not minimizing that. We are not trying to pull you away from that. We want to encourage that. And that's what this boot camp does too. It's not just training for the new friend or the new stranger that you're going to meet. This is training you to disciple those little hearts that are right inside your home. Church, this is not an option for us. If we are believers and followers of Jesus Christ, this is our greatest command. And last Sunday at all three of our campuses of Mount Pleasant, Alma, and St. John's, we had over 2,300 people walk through these doors can you imagine if all of those people committed to the multiplication of Jesus, what that would do for this community? Could you imagine the power of the Holy Spirit that would be released into our homes and into our schools and into our workplaces and into our communities if we were committed to this? It would be the most radical outpouring of Jesus that the state of Michigan had ever seen. It would not be a small, pond, a small stone thrown into a pond. It would be more like a massive boulder that caused a tidal wave into our communities. But you have to remember, from him, through me, to you, because he is the only one who can save but he commands our partnership to do it. So what will your I will statement be at the end of all of this? What will you do with everything you have learned about what it means to become a disciple maker? I can tell you what mine is. Throughout this sermon series, I have felt God nudging and pressing me to be a group table leader on Wednesday evening at the boot camp because I have already gone through the course. They're looking for leaders who can then help lead this group tables. But I had all the excuses too because on Wednesdays, I wanted to go skiing at Snow Snake 
because it was BOGO night and I just got all this Christmas ski gear and if I don't go skiing, I probably never will this winter. But God kept pressing and nudging and I'm getting quicker at recognizing God's voice. So guess where I'll be on Wednesday nights? At Snow Snake. Just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm going to be here Wednesday night leading a table group. And maybe I'm supposed to be sitting next to you. Or maybe you're supposed to be sitting next to me. You know, skiing is thrilling and I love it and it's adventurous, but there is nothing more thrilling than being right in the center of God's will for your life and when you're stepping out into obedience. And so if he is nudging on your heart to just get off the bench and be in the game, then we would love for you to sign up today at Connect because he might not ask you again. The course starts in just a little over a week and we also need to know if you're coming because we have been prepared and equipped to take on the whole church. But we need to know how many childcare workers to be prepared for. We need to know how much food to feed your bellies. We need to know how many group leaders to serve those tables. We need to know how many tables to set up. So we need you to do your part because we cannot move parked cars. Not even God will do that. And so don't keep making excuses. Leave those at the door. God is calling an army to go out there and battle for him, but he needs us to go through boot camp first. We need some training, and I want to do it with you. And so church, let's go make disciples. Maybe I'll see you Wednesday. I love you. I love living out the Great Commission with you. So go and make disciples of all nations and have a blessed week.